Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. So there's no rail strike. Oh, don't worry. We'll talk about Kanye. There's no rail strike. And there's no rail strike because Congress has said, uh, you're going back to work. Which Congress has the right to do. And there's been a lot of conversation about, should they? Forcing people to take a deal. Yeah, that can happen. But when you're talking about the rail workers, it can happen. And I don't know why anybody is necessarily surprised by this. But the real story is the lack of sick time. Because the Democrats tried to throw this in there. The Democrats tried to throw in the whole thing of, well, we these people need seven days of sick time. That wasn't a part of the original conversation. As a matter of fact, some could argue it was actually turned down by the unions when it was presented. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. So good to be with you. Would love your phone calls. I got to open up the phones today. Today is a day for phone opening upage-ness thing. 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. Why are you waiting to send me a hate tweet? Just call. You got something you want to offer? I'm listening. 833-468-8669. It was Democrats who wanted to add this. Progressives who wanted to add this. Um, well, these people need seven uh, sick days paid. They just invented a number. It wasn't the original conversation number. And it was progressives trying to put Republicans in a bad spot. Oh, they're not going to vote to give these people days off. That's not their job. It's not their freaking job. But remember that at every moment and in every instance, the political left is trying to figure out how to gain advantage over the political right. Everything's an attack. Everything's a destruction. Everything is war. And until the political right grows up, lets them drop, and understands that that's the battle, they're going to lose. Now, I'm going to get more into this, this days off thing and this idea of uh, what, what did, what did uh, Secretary Buttigieg call it, human rights, and, and, and I'm going to get into all of that. But I want to discuss the fight at the first, the fight at the quick. You have to know how to fight. I put forth to you that the progressives in the Democratic Party don't give a good holy damn if rail workers get sick days paid or not. They don't care. It made for good fodder of an attack. Look at us. We're defending the little guy. It doesn't cost us anything. That's the first key to their fight. What can they do that costs them absolutely nothing, sounds good, and puts the other guy in a pickle? doesn't cost the progressive members of Congress anything, anything at all to tell the rail workers or tell the rail companies, pay these people. It doesn't cost them anything to tell these rail companies to pay more. Give them this, give them that, give them the other. They get to look like somehow they're heroes to pseudo-intellectuals throughout the land who believe that the job of the company is to give whatever it is the employee wants uh, those things. I can clearly remember 
being, uh, I was with Herman Cain. We were speaking at a rally. I'm pretty sure it was Reno. I just know where I, I can give you the scenario. And this guy who was telling me that Herman Cain, the late Herman Cain, presidential candidate, Godfather's Pizza, was a terrible guy because he didn't pay his people enough. And that in the end result, Herman Cain's job was to give other people jobs. That was his job. It was the first time I ever engaged with somebody who was actively pursuing this argument. That the job of Herman Cain, the job of the entrepreneur, is to give other people jobs. It's not their job. Nobody owes you a job. No one should be forced to give you a job. No one's forced to pay you a certain rate for the job. Well, there's uh, there is Tony, you know, uh, minimum wage. There shouldn't be. Oh, of course I'm opposed to the minimum wage. The minimum wage keeps people from negotiating in their best interest. It forces businesses to pay a certain rate, and if you don't have the skills, you can't get paid. So therefore, the business can't get, can't hire you, even if they choose to, because the government prevents you from negotiating in your best interest. Once again, government effing it up for everybody. So the progressives say, yeah, we'll give them seven days paid sick leave and we'll look great. Those Republicans are never going to go for it because why? They're not going to force businesses to spend because Republicans don't think that that's a rational point of view and it's not because Republicans care more about you as a small business owner and progressives don't give a damn about you as a small business owner. Progressives would hurt you if they could. If they could walk into your store, punch you in the face, steal from your cash register and take a whiz in the corner, they'd do it. Of course they'd do it. The absolute disdain and disrespect from the political left towards business is remarkable. You think Pramila Jayapal, the representative from Washington State, the head of the Progressive Caucus, gives a good holy you-know-what about small business? You're out of your skull. Lie to yourself all you want. Well, Tony, look at all the great things the Democrats have done with the American Rescue Plan. $1.9 trillion didn't help small business worth a damn. The Inflation Reduction Act, feel the air quotes, didn't help small businesses worth a damn. The Paycheck Protection Program will find out whether or not any of that helped small businesses. And all we have now is the political left attacking people who used a program that was offered to them. Here's this great program. Oh, wait, you used it? Now we'll try and figure out how to turn that against you for our political advantage. The left has no qualms about their destructive tendencies. So they say, we're going to give these uh, rail workers seven days paid sick leave doesn't cost them anything. They get to be on the side of the little guy, right? And then when it doesn't work out, because no one's going to vote for that, they can't get over the hump. Oh, look at those Republicans. They don't care about the working class. So the political right has to now ask itself how it's going to engage How is it going to move to be able to teach itself how to fight? That's really what we're talking about. How does the political right teach itself how to fight? I start with the following. It involves recognizing that you're never going to be president. Start with that. You're not going to be president. 
You're in the Senate, you're in the House, and you're getting punched in the face. You have to punch back. Odds are it's going to keep you from being president, but it's going to move the nation forward. So, well, sometimes you got to take one for the team, Boo Bear. Sometimes you got to sacrifice. And when one of these members of Congress is on with CNN or MSNBC or whomever lying about Republicans saying, oh, they don't care about the little guy, you have to walk up to them in the middle of the interview and call them liars and frauds. You know what, Representative? I'm sick and tired of you claiming we don't care about business owners. You're willing to tell those business owners, pay up, take money out of their pocket when they can't afford to do it. It has no effect on you. Do you know how blanking gross you are that you're going to tell business owners they have to give because you think it's good and moral? Why don't you write them a check, but you don't because you're a coward, a wimp, and a fraud? Don't you ever talk about Republicans like this. Everybody knows you don't give a damn about small business. All those people out there who want to support their families are worse off because of you and people who think like you go to hell and then walk away and then walk away just leave them stunned leave them flummoxed start the fight now someone could say to me tony that might not be the best way to do it okay what's your way what's your way I'm listening. I'm all ears. I gave out the phone number, 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. What's your way? My way is to get up in the House of Representatives and call all Democrats low-life cowards. I'm not going to say, uh, yeah, uh, or as the British would say, the right honorable gentleman. I'm not going to say my good friend from across the aisle. I'm going to take whatever fines come from the House of Representatives for not acting in the proper style until it stops. And in every interview, I'm going to interrupt them. And in every public speech, I'm going to be right there. I'm going to admit that I'm never going to be president. I'm going to admit it to myself in a mirror. And tears may come down my cheeks. But now I'm going to go about doing what is necessary. Fighting the way one must fight. You don't get to engage a narrative here. We're going to crush you. Now, the other way to do this is for Republicans to say, why in the world are you only giving seven days? Why do you hate these workers so much? Why do you hate labor? 43 sick days paid. Here you go. And now let's vote on that. No, no, no. Let's vote on that. I talk about these people from this group, Just Stop Oil, who I consider at this stage of the game to be a terrorist organization. They're throwing soup or or ink on priceless works of art, and then they glue themselves to the wall. They glue themselves to the wall, they do this, and they lecture to us, and invariably somebody, you know, gets them off the wall and then, you know, writes them a little fine and sends them on their way. They break the social contract and then demand that you live up to it. No. No, 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 no. I don't, I I, I reject that. Why do I have to live up to it? When they glue themselves to the wall, we build a box around them of plexiglass. It's got a door on it. And we get to sit and watch as they figure out how to get themselves off the wall that they just glued themselves to. They literally put glue on their hand, like crazy glue or grill glue, whatever it is, and glue themselves to the wall. We're not going to take them off the wall. We're going to put them under glass. We're not going to feed them. We're not going to give them any water. If they die there, they die.
Now that, kids, is a piece of art. You'll spend some cash to watch that. They will they will go to the bathroom on themselves and eventually we'll figure out how they get their hand off the wall. Maybe they're going to have to chew their arm off. I don't know. It's 147 hours. Was that 137 or 147? It was a lot of hours for James Franco. And now that's what we're going to see in this work of art. They break the social contract and then demand that you live up to a social contract. And I say... I am not about to play in that game. Just who do these people think they are? F these people. We turn you into a work of art. When the political left says, oh, you won't give these people seven days of paid sick leave, you're disgusting. The answer is, you're disgusting, Representative Jamila, uh, Jayapal. Pramila Jayapal. You're despicable. Seven days, you are worthless. 42 days. Here we go. Vote it up. Your move. And if they get 42 days, they get 42 days. What do you care? You didn't have to pay for it. 42 days. Democrats voted for it. Blame them. Now, I told you a way I was going to do it, which involves confrontation, but it could also go this way. Maybe you have another way. I'm all ears. I'm listening. But this rail strike conversation is actually a larger conversation of knowing how to fight. And the political right hasn't figured it out yet, and I doubt they're going to figure it out under possible Speaker McCarthy. I'm not seeing it yet. I hope to be proven wrong. I just uh, have learned not to hope that much. I'm Tony Katz. So we had a guy who called in to say that he wanted to talk to me because I'm wrong about, wait, the correct word, Ryan, everything. I'm wrong about everything, correct? Correct. All right. So And then and then I, I don't know what happened. He dropped, find him. I must speak to him. I'm not wrong about anything. I'm wrong about everything is fantastic. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. What's going on, everybody? 833-468-8669-833. Got Tony. Julianne, welcome to the show. What's going on, Julianne? I was just calling in. I am, I'm the spouse of a railroad worker, and I think what people fail to realize, I know there's a lot of uproar about them asking for sick days. You know, we have five kids. My husband is required to do 50-plus hours every two weeks of mandatory overtime. He doesn't get that option because they are putting all of that on their workers. I work myself. We have five kids. All my paid time off goes towards that. And what people are also, you know, complaining about is a 24% raise. Why are they upset about it? They fail to realize that is over a span of five years, and they tax the crap out of it. So they're saying, you know, most people are going to get this big lump sum of back pay. They don't understand what these families have had to give up in order for this like i can't tell you out of all of our kids birthdays things like that i think he maybe he's made it to three three of them out of all of our kids birthdays and we've so been i think that years. that what what people would say julianne um is if, if the job provides that little flexibility why in this marketplace do you stick with that job I won't tell you because he is only, what, four months away from being vested in his retirement. 
So, um, okay. He stayed there because he he's military, too. So they do give a lot of preference to the military. And that's, you know, that that's why he, he, he honestly wanted to work for the railroad for as long as he could remember. So, so allow me, al- allow me a, a second, Julianne. And, and I so much appreciate the call. And this call, is not, my response to you is not an angry one. It's just, I, I, I hear what you're saying. And I think people hear what you're saying, that you want to, a, a, with your employer, get the best deal you can. I negotiate with my employer. I'm going to negotiate in the future with my employer. Always. Um, it's. I, I don't think that people are angry with the rail workers. I, I think that when it comes to the idea of you want this, you want that, the other, oh, you want the other one. Many people want things, you don't always get them, and certainly no one is entitled to it. What you've now added to the conversation is something that has to be considered from your side, which is you see the problems with the flexibility of the gig, but he always wanted to be in this industry, and he's four months away from being vested. Something that a guy who works for himself is never going to be able to really say because the only thing he's investing in is himself. So there's a, there isn't a, a moment of I feel for you because you made this choice to get to this thing and this person made this choice to get to that thing and person A is not responsible for person B and vice versa. I think the, 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 the greater conversation here is whether or not Congress and really as we talk about political policy parties getting involved in giving this and giving that and giving the other it's not for them to do and i was discussing how you engage political response to this fight because the only reason the progressives and i thank you so much for the phone call julianne the only reason that progressives said we are going to give seven uh, days of paid uh, paid sick leave was they knew it wasn't going to go down but they did it to make the Republicans look bad, and Republicans take that hit time and again and again and again and again. So the question is why? I believe the response is not seven, 42 days. Yes, it's absurd. Well, so is seven. Just because Democrats put it out there doesn't make it rational. It's like when Democrats say, we need some sensible Republicans, as if all Democrats are sensible. No, the communists are insensible. Bernie's a communist. Elizabeth Warren is a communist. The squad is communist. These people are insensible. These people shouldn't even be elected. What a shame of a nation this group of people are. But they like to say sensible Republicans. You got to know how to fight. That's my argument. As for rail workers getting paid... I don't think people are really opposed to that at all. I got to admit, I, I just don't think they're opposed to it. And they're kind of down with it. But no matter what the wage increase is, going to keep up with inflation. Dr. Matt Will, economist with the University of Indianapolis, going to take a look at those jobs numbers and what they really mean. That is up next. This is Tony Katz Today. Pre-market was up, and then the markets were down, and now the markets are trying to come back flat, trying to make sense of what the heck just happened today. Tony Katz, good to be with you. Tony Katz today, non-farm payrolls increased 263,000. The estimate was 200,000, and it was ADP just a couple of days ago that was saying that we were going to come under this by about 60 or 70,000 jobs, only proving that I'm not interested in listening to ADP. But how about the fact that hourly earnings are up 0.6% for the month, double the estimate, 5.1% annually versus 4.6%. 
you would think that this is an amazing number, but the market didn't respond that way. The wages don't keep up with inflation, but the White House keeps telling me that everything is fine and great, and this is all proof of a strong economy. This is the kind of moment that calls for bourbon. And Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis, Dr. Matt Will, W-I-L-L, Dr. Matt Will, on the Twitter box. Uh, you've had some time to go over these numbers. We keep unemployment at 3.7%. We see a labor force participation rate of 61.2%. And we beat expectations on the jobs. Dr. Will, I'm pouring the drinks. What the hell's happening? <laughs> well, first of all, I like how you put my name in the same uh, sentence as uh, bourbon as if I'm going to be the one that's going to get you drunk, okay? Oh, sure. Um, well, I, I'm only hoping you will. Um, first of all, on the surface, this is a clone of last month. I mean, when you read the report, it says unchanged, 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 unchanged. This report is misleading, Tony. Everyone should ignore it. Throw it in the trash can. The stock market is wrong. It's go, it, the, the stock market is schizophrenic. It doesn't know what to do with this information. The headline in the Wall Street Journal is wrong when it talks about this report. CNBC and their, all their analysis is wrong. Tony, this is a very, very bad report, and let me tell you why. This report, we are 6 million jobs below pre-pandemic trajectory. Tony, we, if, if it weren't for the pandemic, we would have 6 million more jobs. So you must ignore this report. It's misleading. It doesn't tell us anything other than we're still 6 million jobs short. Here's the real story, Tony. We have massive recession indicators right now in this report and the report I saw yesterday from the PMI. These two reports tell me that there is a huge recession looming. I'm not a predictor, Tony, but I'm in predicting. And here's why. This report said that retail was down 30,000 jobs, Tony, 30,000 jobs. Cut me off if I'm going too long, okay? No, please, going too long. What are you talking about? Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. Before you start talking about those jobs, let me just give you this really quick. Here's the Wall Street Journal that you called out by name. Jobs growth, wage gains remain strong in November. So, yes, the Wall Street Journal is indeed touting this. You're saying they're all wrong. You're saying the markers say recession. And you start by noting that retail is down 30,000 jobs. Yes, Tony. The, the only anomaly in this report from last month is 30,000 jobs less in retail. What does that tell you? Well, Tony, you got to look somewhere else. I I say it all the time. My favorite report is the real-time industry report called the PMI. In that report issued yesterday, it says manufacturing is contracting new orders by retail stores. Tony, in Christmas season, in Christmas season, they're contracting employment in the retail establishment and manufacturing, according to this other report, contracting supplier deliveries down, inventories down. Prices, Tony, here's the curveball I'm going to throw you. Prices down two months in a row at manufacturing. And there is no back order of goods. There's no back order of goods, and prices are down. Ready? You want the curveball, Tony? I'm here for you. I think these are all indicators of a recession, and I think the Fed needs to stop tightening. I think the Fed has overreacted. I believe that all the data I'm looking at says that they've got recession, they've got inflation under control, and now they're causing a recession. 
them plus Biden plus spending in Washington is causing a recession. And they need to pull back on the rate increases and they need to let the economy begin to heal because we see inventories down, customer inventories down, prices declining. Hold on one second. Now let's take a breath. We have discussed repeatedly that um, Jerome Powell, the chairman of the Federal Reserve, has looked back in history at Paul Volcker in the days of Reagan, I believe, and said, yeah, I'm not going to make that mistake. The beatings will continue until morale improves, and we're going to send these interest rates up until the inflation stops. He's got that target on the federal funds rate of 46 to 4.8%, but he did just say this week, to which there was response from the markets to the up, that we're going to be reducing the size of the rate increases from three quarters of a point to a quarter point, even though there might be five of them in 2023, bringing us to 5% on the federal funds rate. So is it that quarter point is too high? Is it that 5%, that kind of target is too high? And if you're advising, do you stop raising interest rates right now? You just leave it where it is? Tony, I would, now, now, you're, now you're getting to a more difficult question. I would probably not do the, as big even as they're doing. I'd probably do a quarter point. I would probably go all the way down to a quarter point this month, and I'd probably do a quarter point next month, if anything at all next month. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not by myself on this. You know, Jeremy Siegel has been saying this for a few months. Jeremy Siegel is a, a prestigious professor from Wharton School of Business, and I, and he has said the same thing. He he has more data than I have. I now see the same data he's looking at, and I agree. I think the chance of a recession is significant, and I think inflation is now much more under control. Not gone, not gone, Tony. It's still in certain sectors, but it's much more under control. Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis, you, you talk about the um, the levels of of supply and what's in uh, reserve, and that the manufacturers aren't. Is it that they're not manufacturing enough? Enough? It was the orders. The orders aren't there. And this is all signs that everybody is girding the loins, if you will, and gearing up for what they know is coming. But I have a market that doesn't respond that way and certainly doesn't look like they're acting like it's built in. And I have a White House that tells me I actually have the audio, I believe, from uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, who said uh, out, out loud uh, the the other day that their indicators do not show a, a recession. This is Corinne Jean-Pierre just earlier this week. And so now what we're seeing, and you've heard us talk about this, is we're seeing an economy uh, that's going into a transition to more stable and steady growth. Uh, so we do not foresee uh, a, a recession. The data that I just laid out that we have seen the last couple months uh, does not show uh, a recession. So are you lying or is Corinne Jean-Pierre lying? Well, let's just say her first name says it all. I'm cringing at what she has to say, Tony. This is totally <laughs> false, what she is having to say. It says the data we've laid out. Yeah, where is she cherry-picking this data from? I'm going down the list of an objective business report that came out yesterday that everyone follows. Contracting manufacturing, contracting new orders, shrinking inventories, no backlog of orders, Tony. I don't know what she's looking at, but the economy looks terrible right now, and it doesn't look all that good in the future. And by the way, just look at her one piece of data in her report she's bragging about. 
30,000 jobs lost in retail. That's the only relevant piece of information in this report. 30,000 jobs lost in retail, Joni, Tony, when we're 6 million jobs short in this economy. Let me bring you to another number that kind of struck me, because I went through some things about un- that the unemployment rate staying at 3.7%, uh, and that in categories of adult men, adult women, teenagers, whites, blacks, Asians, Hispanics, there was little or no change month over month. That number kind of held true. But the the labor force participation rate is 62.1, and then it says, and the employment population ratio is 59.9, little changed uh, from from the month prior. I, I must tell you, uh, labor force participation, I pay attention to, and I'd love for you to explain it and what you think of the 62.1% number. What in the bloody world is the employment population ratio? It's, it's a similar number, Tony. It just uses different numbers in the same report to give you the same piece of information. You can track the employable percentage rate or you could park, track the participation rate. It's just apples and smaller apples. It's the same thing. You think of, just think of it as the exact same thing. They're, they are exactly the same. They use slightly different data to come up with a number. Talk to me about what you think of that labor force participation rate. Is that showing you an issue? Yes. Th- Tony, this is why we're 6 million jobs short in the economy. Because before the, the great COVID hit, we were at 93 and a half. Now we're at 92. You think, oh, 1%. 1% on 330 million people? That's a lot of people, Tony. That's a lot of people. That rate should be much higher. It's still in the people. They're living off their savings. They're still living off those COVID dollars. And if you live in California, they're still paying you not to work. So, no, that number is bad. And that's a policy-driven number, Tony. The White House and the states drive that number, and they're paying you not to go to work when we have 6 million jobs short. Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis, we, we take a look at all of this and we note that wages, and certainly this has been the conversation this week, wages are up, wages are up, wages are up, but wages have not gone up at the rate of inflation. They, they don't overcome the rate of inflation. So how do you say that we need to bring stop the raises on interest rates or make them much, much smaller? We have inflation under control when we can see these increase in wages and it's still not enough to overcome the inflationary pressure. Exactly. Well, first of all, Tony, I'll go back to what I said. One, ignore this report. Second of all, you just said it. We've said it. We're six million jobs short. That's what's causing the wage pressure, Tony. That's the only thing that's causing it. Biden has nothing to brag about. We have six million jobs missing in this economy, and that's pulling up wages. We still have a labor shortage. That's all there is to it, Tony. These companies that are in recession mode already, you talk about them on your show, laying off thousands and thousands of people. But if you, there is a job out there, they still have to pay more to keep the person or hire the person because there's a shortage. You see the recession, ignore the jobs picture, Tony. I'll say it over and over again. It's misleading because we're 6 million jobs short. So what comes next? If, if, if you're a believer that the recession is impending, do we see it? I mean, we, we always talk about the difference, the, the, the massive chasm between Wall Street and Midwest Main Street. 
we already know if, if I were to ask myself, where do I see it? I see it in how people are acting every single day. I see it in the fact that it's December and I still haven't booked a vacation because I'm absolutely fe- filled with fear, if you will, uh, about spending the money on a vacation when I might need the cash because Lord only knows what's coming down uh, the, the line. I don't see other people doing that, though. If the indicator is that people are hunkering down and people are holding on, and I can show you examples of that, I can also show you that on Cyber Monday, people spent $11 billion. They got their record number. Now, that could be because things cost more, but they still got the $11 billion. So what is the indicator that people should be looking at in their daily lives of, okay, it's here, or should it be, Tony, go back to the report, the report's the proof. Tony, you, you said it. You said it very well. First of all, it's $11 billion because costs are up. So that's part one. Part two is what we've seen. If you look into some other data, people are spending money on credit cards and from their savings from the COVID money. So people are racking up records amounts of credit right now, debt. They're spending those savings dollars that they got from the government, which caused the inflation, and costs are higher. That is not a good formula, Tony. That scares me. And let me tell you, when you can talk about your in vacation, you are justifiably concerned. Because now I don't know what your bosses are going to say. They may cut me off in thin air here for saying this. But when there's a recession hits, advertising is one of the first things to be cut. Now, wait, that, the, no one's going to cut you off. I just want you to know it's absolutely <laughs> true. And it's the most ridiculous thing in the damn world. Exactly. When you when you're in a, when you're in tough times, you need more customers, not less. I always boggles my mind when the accounting department says we got to cut marketing. How, how do you cut yourself to profitability? I don't. I have discussed that. that on the show, sir, so often. It's the craziest thing in the world. If you're able to advertise when other people can't, you're the one who will grow massively when things get better because they already know your name. Yep. That's yep. look at that, Doctor Will and I. We started a marketing firm. And we're gonna <laughs> we're, we're we're gonna help people uh, get through this. Um, in your view, again, I know you're not a guy who predicts, but you've already started, so I might as well take you down the road. How long does it last? Oh, that now that's a question I can't answer. You know, uh, the, the 2008 recession, mortgage crisis. You know, I had my own radio show at the time at the university here, and I I was calling this thing. I was saying this is going to happen. People, be careful. It's going to be terrible. I never would have guessed how big and how long it would have lasted, Tony. Um, I, I, that's, a, that's a tough call. That is a tough call. We could get into it another day about the contribution of crypto to the situation and the turmoil that it's causing and, and the, the mess that the federal government's going to make by calling it a security and regulating it. Uh, Tony, there's a lot of uh, landmines out there that can make this a terrible recession. Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. Sir, I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. There is more coming up. Keep it right here. I'm Tony Katz. You can't touch this. You can't touch this. You can't touch this. I love this Elizabeth Warren tweet. Let's be clear. The president has the legal authority to cancel student debt. Supreme Court's going to take the case. I mean, I was, I'm going to get into this later, but, man, authoritarians hate it when you don't listen to them. Oh, they hate it. They get so mad. It's, it's like a Tom and Jerry cartoon or maybe Bugs Bunny, and the steam's coming out of their ears, and they go, ooh. Like, oh, they hate it. They just hate it so much. 
Oh, they're real. There are a few people worse than Elizabeth Warren. I mean, there's Maisie Hirono. Maisie Hirono never lied about her heritage. So maybe, honestly, I'll let people vote on that and decide. Interesting follow-up on our conversation about economics and the layoffs that we've seen. Amazon others, tech layoffs have been over 50,000 in November. And now you've got people who are in the U.S. on work visas desperate to find a job. Otherwise, they're going to have to leave the country. I think that's interesting because how many of them are going to leave the country? Huh. This is Tony Katz today.